This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language and mature themes. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 334. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. Each week, I share a piece of my fresh new fiction with you and tell you what's new with my life and my writing. So, let's kick things off with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 17 of Honor Bound by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 318 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Honor, Alex, and Natasha sat down for dinner together at Lord Bellevue's party. Natasha found herself coming to like Alex, even though they were obviously initiating a courtship with Honor. Natasha told herself that she had no cause to be jealous of the Androgyne. As a commoner, there was no way that her affair with Honor could be anything more than a dalliance. She put those thoughts out of her mind and focused on enjoying a good meal in good company. Honor asked Alex why they had chosen a feminine appearance to meet with Lord Tyrrell and the other old military officers. These men are generally old-fashioned and conservative in their attitudes, so wouldn't a masculine body have been taken more seriously? Alex explained that, for the gender-fluid androgynes, navigating through Metamore's patriarchal society is a constant dance between opposing expectations. Androgynes can enter spaces that are coded for both males and females, but they are never completely at home in either of them, and there are always people standing ready to police their bodies and their actions. By entering Lord Bellevue's party in such a strikingly feminine form, Alex made themselves less threatening to these conservative old men. Their appearance also suited the nature of their appeal, which was a call for mercy and compassion toward the less vulnerable virtues that are coded as feminine. Honor, for her part, was clearly smitten by Alex's feminine appearance, and made it clear that she would be pleased to see more of Alex wearing this shape in the future. After the dinner was over, the guests filed back out into the parlor, and Alex excused themselves to go talk to the officers and urged them to sign their letter of support for the veterans' bill. That left Honor and Natasha alone in the dining hall, Honor told Natasha that her duties as hostess were now fulfilled, and asked Natasha if she would like to continue the play they'd been engaged in earlier. Regretfully, Natasha declined. It was obvious that Honor had feelings for Alex, and the longer that Natasha continued their affair, the harder it would be for her to stop. Better to end things now before they got too attached. Honor reluctantly accepted this reasoning, But when Natasha agreed to one last goodnight kiss, 
The young noblewoman planted a fiery smooch on her lips that left Natasha stunned and breathless. That was very naughty, she said, wagging a scolding finger at Honor. Honor grinned mischievously. It was, wasn't it? If only there was someone to punish me for being such a naughty girl. And then she glided out of the room, while Natasha stared helplessly after her. Honor Bound The House of Bellevue Book One Written by L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 17 A Private Matter Natasha went to the servant's washroom back near the kitchen, where she took a few minutes to compose herself. As she had expected, Honor had left a noticeable amount of lipstick on her face, though not, fortunately, on her uniform. She cleaned herself off, tucked in a few strands of hair that had come loose, and smoothed the wrinkles in her jacket. There was less she could do about the flush in her cheeks or the twinge of need between her legs, but after a while these subsided to more tolerable levels. She headed back out to the front of the apartment, intent on going directly up the stairs and straight to bed. As she passed the doorway to the drawing room, though, Lord Bellevue spotted her. He was standing in a tight circle with Noble Alex and two senior officers, but he broke away from them immediately upon seeing Natasha, one hand raised overhead. Miss Volkova! Natasha stopped and waited for him, of course. She could hardly have done otherwise. She came to attention and bowed her head to him as he approached. My lord? Bellevue grinned up at her. I was afraid I'd missed you, he said. I was hoping we might have that word now, if you have a few minutes. Perhaps you could join me in my study. I have some cigars and an excellent bottle of brandy up there. Natasha's danger sense twinged at the back of her mind. A nobleman inviting a younger woman to speak to him alone, behind closed doors? That was the sort of ploy Major Rutgers had used to trap the girls he preyed upon. Bellevue didn't seem like a predator, but it wasn't a chance she felt comfortable taking. This is very kind of you, sir, she said, speaking slowly while she racked her brains for a way out of this. But I could not take you away from guests for so long. Bellevue looked back over his shoulder at the drawing room. Noble Alex had drawn half a dozen men into their orbit and was speaking to them with the same passion and vitality that had so entranced Natasha over dinner. I think young Alex is doing a fine job without me, Bellevue said, a soft chuckle in his voice. I had a feeling they might. No one's liable to notice my absence while they're in the room. Ah. Natasha's eyes scanned back and forth around the main hall, looking for inspiration, and found it in the glass doors leading to the atrium. Perhaps we could go in there instead, she suggested. I feel it is, how you say, stuffy in here. I could use fresh air. Bellevue followed her gesture, his eyebrows climbing toward his receding hairline. Oh, all right. Yes, that should be fine. 
He led the way to the atrium, held the door for Natasha, and ushered her inside. The sounds of the party faded as he shut the door behind them, replaced by the distant background noise of the city. The glass door and the windows all around the atrium gave Natasha a clear view of the apartment's interior. Natasha could still see a bit of the drawing room from here, as well as the hallway back to the kitchens. She watched the servants moving back and forth, cleaning up from dinner, carrying drinks to the guests still in attendance, and attending to the other work of the house. Nothing bad could happen here without someone taking notice. The tension in her neck and between her shoulder blades began to ease. Lovely night, Bellevue observed, looking up at the patch of sky overhead. It was relatively clear, for Metamore, though only the brightest stars were visible. The air had the crisp bite typical of nights in early April, which was a welcome relief in her wool uniform. She looked at Lord Bellevue's formal outfit, with its layers and layers of rich fabric, and supposed that it must be pleasant for him as well. Bellevue sat down on one of the wrought iron chairs and gestured to an empty one across from him. Please, have a seat, Miss Volkova. Natasha couldn't read his tone. He still seemed pleasant, and his eyes were kind and welcoming, but there was a tension in the way he carried himself, and some unspoken emotion that showed in the creases of his forehead. Even though he had been the one to insist on this meeting, there was a part of him that seemed uneasy about it. Natasha did not understand why, but she knew better than to refuse an invitation from a nobleman. Warily, she sat. Bellevue looked down at his hands, seeming to wrestle with where to begin. At length, he asked, "'What did you think of noble Alex's proposal?' "'I think is good idea,' Natasha said honestly. "'Many people would be helped.' Bellevue nodded, his expression sober. "'You think it is needed, then, that the common soldiers aren't getting enough help returning to civilian life?' Natasha shrugged. "'If they were, there would not be so many in the shelters, I think.' Bellevue sighed. Indeed. He fell silent for a moment, rubbing his hands together. When he spoke again, his words were slow and thoughtful. When I was growing up, my father taught me that the nobility have a duty to the common people, to be their guardians and protectors, he said that we should help those who are in need without being forced to, that our generosity is a chance to show our character. He didn't think we should hand over that responsibility to government programs. He said it stole the opportunity for us to practice virtue. Natasha frowned. She couldn't tell what Bellevue thought of this idea. At best, he seemed dubious but she also knew how the words of one's father could linger in the heart and how hard they could be to exercise. You will have no one, a cruel voice whispered in the back of her mind. Not today, father. To me, this seems backwards, Natasha said. Lord Bellevue looked up at her, his eyebrows raised. If helping people is good... Then helping more people is better, Natasha said reasonably. 
This plan would help people who need it. If you help make plan happen, then you are doing duty to protect your people, da? Maybe you do not get credit, but this is not so important. When grain is all in storehouse, it does not matter who carried most bushels. It is only important that you did all you could. Yes, Bellevue said, his voice still coming slow and thoughtful. Yes, I think you're right. He paused again, and then his eyes seemed to focus on her more intently. Can I ask you a more personal question, Miss Volkova? Natasha nodded, and Bellevue leaned closer. Why did you leave your last employer? Natasha's stomach twisted anxiously. Somehow she didn't think, because I had sex with your daughter was the right answer here, but she did not want to lie to her host either. Captain of Guard and I had disagreement, she said slowly. He did not like choices I made. About how you did your work? Bellevue asked. Natasha looked down at her feet. Some of that, she admitted, but more because of personal life. Who I choose to... to be close to. Bellevue nodded as if he'd expected this. You're attracted to women. It was not a question. Natasha looked up at him, her eyes going wide. I... Uh, Bellevue held up a hand. It's all right, he said, his tone soothing. I've been around a while. I know how to read the signs. His eyes twinkled. And I saw the look you were giving noble Alex tonight. It was much the same as most of the men in that room. That surprised a laugh out of Natasha. I... Duh. This is true. Bellevue nodded. Most people in Metamore don't have a problem with such things. But every once in a while, some prude or bigot finds their way into a position where they can exercise power over others. He shook his head sadly. I'm sorry that happened to you, and I'd like to do something about it, if you're not soured on the idea of working for a noble house. Natasha frowned again. It took her a moment to parse the old man's words. You are offering me job? I am, Bellevue said. He gestured at the ribbons on Natasha's uniform. You've done a great deal for the Empire, Miss Volkova, and I don't think it's right that you were turned out on the street over something like this. I have need of good people on my staff. Your record speaks well of you, and so does my daughter. So yes, I want to hire you. Natasha blinked. Her heart pounded in her chest. Her thoughts raced, a thousand unlikely fantasies spinning themselves together before her eyes. She took a deep breath and tried to force them back. What? What would you have me do? she asked. Bellevue's expression grew troubled again. My daughter is a grown woman now, he said quietly. 
But being grown is not quite the same thing as being mature. Up to now I have sheltered her from the dangers of the world. But now she is here, in the city, free to go where she wishes and see whom she wishes. His eyes went distant then, and Natasha could see the tangle of emotions inside the man. Pride in his daughter, fear for her safety, worry at all the ways she might be hurt. I want her to have that freedom, he said, his voice barely above a whisper. But I also want her to be safe. And that business last night at the ball, where she was missing and no one could find her, it made me realize that I cannot keep her safe anymore. Not here in the city. Natasha's guts took another anxious twist. Duh, I can see why this was frightening for you. A hint of a smile touched the man's lips. I knew you would understand, he said, with what sounded like relief. He looked up into her eyes again. That's why I want you, Miss Volkova. I want to hire you as Lady Honor's bodyguard, to keep her safe where I cannot. Natasha was stunned. She had been around the Metamore nobility for six months now, and she could count on one hand the number of nobles she had seen with full-time bodyguards. Most of them were much more important than Lady Honor, a daughter of a minor house who was not even at Scion. This is... She fumbled for the right word. Strange would just sound rude. She knew there were other words in common that would be better, but they were escaping her memory at the moment. She gave up and rephrased herself. Most ladies do not have bodyguards. Bellevue smiled slyly. True, but many of them do have a lady's companion. Natasha frowned. What is that? She knew that ladies seldom traveled alone, but she had not been privy to the details of their relationships. A companion is a woman who lives with a lady, goes with her to social events, helps to entertain her guests, and provides her with, well, companionship, the Lord said. Her presence allows an unmarried lady to visit with potential suitors without her virtue being called into question. She is not a servant— she takes her meals with the lady and receives a room in the family's part of the house. His brows beetled together as a thought apparently occurred to him. A companion is expected to be gentry, but... Hmm. I heard you discussing horses with Honor earlier. Your father was a farmer. Mystified, Natasha nodded. Did he own his land? Bellevue asked. Natasha frowned. I think so. Bellevue grinned. There you are. You're a daughter of the landed class. That's gentry in my book. He waved a hand dismissively. Honestly, the world is such a big place. Most of these nobles have no idea what the social classes are like outside Metamore proper. If we treat you as Lady Honor's companion, they'll accept you as one. I... see. She still only half understood the logical contortions Lord Bellevue had just gone through, 
but she thought she had gotten the gist of the offer. Since making assumptions had recently gotten her in trouble, though, she decided to double-check. So I would be bodyguard, but pretending to be fancy girl who goes to parties and dances and such. Companion, Bellevue said, carefully enunciating the word. Companion, Natasha repeated. Good, Bellevue said. And you would be her companion, in truth. But you would also be expected to step in if anyone ever attempts to harm her. I have no doubt you could handle yourself in such an event. You seem very capable. In spite of herself, Natasha smiled a little at that. Then another thought struck her. You say this companion is not servant. Does she get paid? You would receive a monthly allowance, Bellevue said. Natasha gave him a puzzled look at the word, and he amended. Money for you to spend as you wish. It won't be much, I'm afraid. You probably made more as a soldier. Most of our wealth is tied up in our farmland. But your food, clothes, and travel expenses will all be paid for, as will any entertainment that you and Lady Honor take in together. Natasha suppressed a sigh. So, once again the lord of the manor would own almost everything she had. If it all went badly, she would walk away with nothing. Then again, that would make her no worse off than she was now. And going to a bunch of dinners and tea parties would be considerably easier than most of the things she could do for a living. And of course, she would be with Lady Honor every day sharing the most intimate parts of her life. Could their arrangement continue in such a circumstance? A growing suspicion tickled at the back of Natasha's mind. Lord Bellevue did not seem like a fool, and he had already guessed at Natasha's attraction to women. I know how to read the signs, he said. My lord, Natasha said slowly, you saw how I looked at Noble Alex tonight. Did you also see how Lady Honor looked at them? Lord Bellevue met her gaze with a knowing look. His eyes twinkled again. What do you think? Ah, Natasha said. Then this job, this lady's companion, it is more than friendship, da? Bellevue held up a cautionary hand. You are not a sensualist, Miss Volkova, and I am not paying you to act as one. Your friendship with my daughter, in whatever dimensions it may have, is something I leave you to work out for yourselves. When we are alone, you do not have to pretend it is not happening, but it is a private matter between the two of you not to be shared with anyone else. Do you understand? Natasha nodded. Is secret, but is our secret. She gestured at both Lord Bellevue and herself. Just so, he agreed. And I think it best if you do not tell Honor we discussed this. Otherwise her head is likely to get in the way of her heart. Natasha didn't like the sound of that. Keeping secrets from the outside world was one thing. Keeping them from someone she was in a relationship with was another. 
she cocked her head at him. Why do things this way? If you know she likes girls, and she knows she likes girls, why do you not talk to her and let her seek spouse among other ladies? Why these secrets? Bellevue sighed. Because a noble lady is expected to have children, so there will be heirs, he said. Marrying one's own sex is permitted among commoners, though some religions refuse to perform such ceremonies. But for the nobility, it is forbidden entirely. An androgyne noble like Alex is acceptable because they can father children. But... He looked up at the stars and fell silent for a long moment, seemingly grappling with his words. When he spoke again, his voice came out softer. I know things about honor she does not yet know about herself. Things she could not hear from me, even if I could find the words to tell her. She is Sylvia's child in so many ways. He glanced aside at Natasha then, and she could see an old pain behind those eyes, something long buried that kept clawing its way back to the surface. My wife tried to be something she was not, to fit into the box that society had built for her. It nearly broke her. In the end, she saved herself, but nearly destroyed our house in the process. He shook his head slightly. Honor believes her mother was a villain, a traitor. Our whole society tells her this is so. But the failure was mine, not Sylvia's. I didn't let myself see what she needed until it was too late. I want something better for Honor. I want her to know what she wants and what she needs, and I want her to be able to have it without tearing her life to pieces in the process. He shrugged wearily. It may not work, but I have to try. Natasha didn't know what to say to that. She sensed that there was a lot about this conversation that she was missing, but Lord Bellevue did not seem inclined to explain himself any further. At length he got to his feet, and Natasha did likewise. Do we have an agreement, Miss Volkova? Bellevue asked. Natasha's stomach still churned with uncertainty and mixed emotions. Honor's father wanted so many different things from her. A bodyguard to quell his fears for Honor's safety. A respectable woman of good breeding to be Honor's companion and chaperone. And a lover to help Honor understand what she needed from a sexual partner. And he wanted her to do it without giving away the fact that he had planned it all, because apparently Honor would foil her own happiness because she hated her mother? Natasha didn't understand that part at all. There were so many different ways this could go wrong. But then Natasha thought again of Honor, of those dazzling blue eyes and that impish smile and the searing goodbye kiss that had left her breathless. And under all the uncertainty and conflicted feelings, Natasha felt something else, a quiver of excitement and anticipation. She crossed her arms over her chest and bowed deeply to Lord Bellevue, the bow of a warrior entering the service of a master. Duh, my lord, 
she said. We have agreement. And that's the end of Chapter 17. Come back next time when Lord Bellevue tells Honor about her new companion. The House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks, at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Alan Moore said, Writing is a very focused form of meditation, just as good as sitting in a lotus position. So, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. It's time for the Weekly Writing Report. This update covers the week of June 18th through June 24th. I wrote 1,578 words this week, over the course of 2.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 631 words per hour. I wrote on three out of seven days this week. This week I returned to doing research for Word of Honor, the next book in the House of Bellevue series. I've been switching back and forth this year between reading queer fiction, both for research purposes and for my own enjoyment, and reading historical nonfiction to immerse myself in the turn of the last century. This week I finished Love and Other Disasters by Anita Kelly, which is a delightful contemporary romance between a queer woman and a non-binary person, taking place against the backdrop of a reality show cooking competition. I then started reading Triangle, The Fire That Changed America, by David Von Draley. The focus of this book is on a devastating industrial accident, the fire at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory in 1911, but along the way he paints a vivid picture of life in New York City during the Progressive Era. This is proving very valuable to me for Word of Honor, where I'm planning to set the story against the backdrop of the labor movement. I'm only about 13% of the way through the book, and already his descriptions of life in the crowded New York City tenements and the gritty nature of machine politics have given me a lot of ideas for Metamore's working class. For my word count this week, I made some notes on characters and plot points for the new novel, and worked on scripts for the podcast. I'll share some of this at the $3 level on Patreon once I have things a little more fleshed out. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester, the fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022. 
by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.